Welcome to the Credible Nerds Podcast. We provide news, commentary, and reviews for all types of nerds, from the hardcore to the casual. What's up, my nerds? Hey, Star Wars fans, welcome to the Credible Nerds Podcast. My name is Justin, and I'm here with my fellow clone commander, Harry. Hi, all. And we're back to talk the Bad Batch. Uh, we are on uh, Season 2, Episode 11, Metamorphosis. And I was excited to see this episode for the first time. Uh, brought back a uh, a long-standing question I've had for a number of years, and you as well, Harry, right? Just uh, what happened in, I think it was Clone Wars Season 2, I can't remember which episode, but there was the introduction of this huge beast that was impervious to blaster fire and all kinds of, was, I think lightsabers too, right? Um, Pretty much everything. Yeah, um, the Zillow Beast. And so... They, in that season, they they fought it, they discovered it, fought it, captured it, and then Palpatine, Chancellor Palpatine at the time, said, I want this uh, beast to be studied and cloned if possible. And that was like the last 10 seconds of the episode, and then for years we haven't known the fate of the Zillow Beast till this episode. So we'll be talking about that and what that means for the future of Star Wars in in this uh, Bad Batch series and maybe even the whole saga as a whole. So we're glad you're here to, to join us and listen and uh, definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening, you can still subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash credible nerds, hit the subscribe button, like the video, make any comments that you feel is appropriate. And we like to interact with our fans we do have some fan engagement here and there. We really appreciate it. Uh, we've answered some questions, had some conversations. So if, if you want to do that, definitely do that. Uh, go to our YouTube channel and uh, and do that. So anyways, Zillow Beast, um, as far as this episode goes, Harry, it shows up. You know, there's some in mystery and intrigue at the first. Then it shows up. And I think we talked about it earlier, a couple episodes ago like where's the Zillow Beast we want to see that story picked up and lo and behold it shows up on screen what do you think about that Harry for the like just overall what were your thoughts on seeing that beast again well I'm I'm thinking Dave Filoni must be listening to the, end of the podcast <laughs> oh yeah he's listening to us yeah definitely <laughs> I thought let's bring the Zillow Beast back yeah. no it was uh, it was interesting right it was something like a possibility of a greater story forever ago and it's been years then all of a sudden it's back so it was it was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely like any tie-in to the Clone Wars as a as a whole mm -hmm. because it just it you know tying in everything the the different um, the different shows together just creates this unified universe and uh, just makes it all a little better. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Whether it's the Clone Wars or the Rebels or mandalorian or the sequel trilogy prequel you know all of it. it it's one big story so it should have repercussions and crossovers and consequences and influences across everything right any new medium should have those some people call them easter eggs or fan service i disagree with those 
with those terminology. I think it's just world building and, you know, using the material you already have to create an even better story. So I was happy to see the Zillowbees show up again. And it looks like we're going to see, I don't know if we'll necessarily see the Zillow Beast uh, again, but I think we'll see the, the uh, effects of what the Zillow Beast represents going forward. But let's get into that here. So it starts off this episode right on the heels of the previous episode where they were stuck on that planet with the mines for a while without a ship till they were able to recover their, their ship, the Marauder. And as they're flying away, uh, they get a transmission from Sid. And uh, she says, I got another mission for you guys. And uh, they talk about it. There's a down ship on a planet. They go there. They need to go there and you know see if there's anything worth salvaging. Uh, but here we have an interesting conversation between Sid and the Bad Batch, right? They, they're like, hey, we're, we're tired of doing this. We want more money, basically. So they ne- negotiate for a bigger price, bigger cut, 50%. Which I was surprised they weren't getting very much in this. It seems like they were getting pretty low ball in the first place, less than 30%, right? And they're doing all the work. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just say, hey, go here. And they have all these crazy adventures, put their lives in danger, and they get the small cut. So um, not very fair, not very equitable. Um so as far as what do you think about uh, Sid and the Bad Batch's relationship at this point? I think it's uh, problematic at best. Um, Sid's treating them like a, a disposable assets. Mm. And uh, um, obviously we didn't know how poorly she was paying them in the past. But she made zero effort to help them get off um, the planet after sending them there. And even this mission, she's like, oh, there should be some good salvage and some good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. I don't care. Yeah. Um, she's just, they're not friends, right? They're, they're, business associates but the relationship's quite loose and mm-hmm. fairly one-sided yeah yeah not a very conducive relationship for either for either side at this point because they they don't get the financial support from her that they are needing uh, the smaller cut and the, she's not they're not completing a lot of missions it sounds like you know thinking back at least in this season seems like a lot of their missions fail where they, they're not able to get all of the, the things that they need. Like, I think the first, one of the first two episodes, they were supposed to get those shipping containers, the, from the, the goods from Count Dooku's castle, from those shipping containers, and I think they lost all of it, if not most of it, right? So they didn't get anything there. They went to that one planet, and there was the... Well, that was more of, what's her name's Fee's um, mission, where they, they found that giant robot... Right, um, but they fell there, and then the next one was with the mines, with the the unstable material that was supposed to be worth a lot of money. They ended up not getting anything there, so it's like this relationship isn't really working. And so I think we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. And for those of you, um, we 
we're recording this after the the second season has finished. So we will be talking spoilers uh, from here on out as far as season one and two, right? Uh, All the way through the end of season two because we've seen the last episode. And I think it's important to bring it up in the sense that um, here we start to see the end of their relationship if if it's not the end already. Because uh, Sid is not getting the resources she needs the missions aren't being completed. Bad Batch isn't getting the money they need. And so I think we see what leads Sid to eventually turn on them. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Harry? Um, yeah, I kind of agree. Um, she's been handing them fairly high-risk missions all along. Um, like you're mentioning the first mission with Count Dooku's war chest. Right. Uh, that place was loaded with clones. Like how you know five yeah. people could attempt... Or even hope to come away with anything there when there's, I don't know, an entire battalion of clones hanging out, looting the same place. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a terrible mission. And then limited intel and support going to the mining worlds and bringing out an extremely unstable element. Um, I just keep thinking that they're disposable to Sid. And if something terrible happens, she doesn't care. If she makes some money, great. If not, oh well. She hasn't lost anything. And... Um, I think also that uh, she's got issues, like some underlying issues. Obviously, she likes to gamble, yeah. Um, and she's got some enemies that she either that either owes money or favors to. So she's kind of in a bad place, and hence is pretty untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's a score to be made by selling them out, I, I think that's always been a possibility for her since the beginning of this season. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about it in in the review for Faster um, earlier this season where the one guy, her previous business associate warns him, you know, watch your back with Sid. You don't trust her. Right. And we see how that plays out through the rest of the season. It, it's true. And, you know, I never really trusted her in the first place, but you, at least last season, they were kind of had this working relationship. They did, you know, they were helping each other out. So I was like, well, it's not the best relationship, but it's working. But this season, it's not. And I think that's what leads her to be able to turn them in and get her money that she she wants. So um, so that's the first scene. They they get the coordinates for the planet and where the ship, the downed ship is, and they head over there. They arrive, and it's there's a village close by. So they're like, oh, that's how the, the crash got reported because they saw it. Um, they land. They, they see that... You know, it seems to be a ghost ship. There's, it's empty. They, they're walking around the corridors. There's no power. There's nobody there. There's no bodies or alive or dead, right? So you kind of get this spooky ghost ship feel, which I liked. It was, you know, pretty creepy and you don't know what's going to happen. And uh, you get this, these vibes. It's been said before. You get these alien vibes, right, from the, the movie Alien and Aliens. And there's some even some direct callbacks to the to those movies that we see, um, but uh, Tech goes up to the bridge. He's able to turn on the power, and uh, the other three, Hunter Omega and uh, Wrecker, scout the ship and they find some stuff. They find and Omega makes the observation that it's Kaminoan or Kaminoan technology, but it's not the ones she's familiar with that she knew about on uh, 
Camino in, in the Taboca city. So this is, it's familiar, but she has no idea what it is, right? It's different. Right. So what'd you think about that revelation? Uh, that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we know that, um, that they destroyed Topoca city for a reason, right? We know that they looted tech. This is the first time we've really seen it though. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, or have we seen it with Dr. Hemlock? Um, but now it's just, it's pointing it out. This is absolutely Camino and tech and the empire is using it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the episode, they, uh, I think it's Hemlock. He's, or, or there's a conversation with Hemlock there. I'm not sure if he brings it up, but, um, he, they talk about how it's off world, right? The, the technology is off world and it's no longer in the control of the Kaminoans and they have all the tech, but they don't have the, the knowledge or the expertise to use it effectively. So, and that leads us to one of the next scenes is, um, Hemlock shows up to talk to Nalase who's imprisoned there on this, the, the mount, the mountain on Tantus. And she's being imprisoned because she won't help them out with the cloning technology. And so there's, she's resisting. She doesn't want to help out uh, these people with Chancellor Palpatine's plans, Emperor Palpatine's plans, because she doesn't like, we don't know what they are, but she does. And she's like, I'm not going to be a part of that because it's so evil, so wrong. I'm not going to be a participant in that. So he wants, um, Hemlock wants, um, uh, Lama Sue brought, she's being, or he's being held prisoner on Coruscant. So he wants Lama Sue brought to talk to Nala Say, try and convince her. So he orders that to happen. And that, sh- that shows up later at the end. But, uh, so we see that also in this scene that these ships arrive and at least one ship arrives and it's the same make and model, I guess, of the ship that crashed on that planet uh, that the Bad Batch are investigating. And they mention the ships here, the other ships are on their way, right? So there's not just the one on Tantus, the one on the planet that crashed, there's ships, right? So there's more coming. Well, what's in these ships? And that's what the Bad Batch figures out or finds out. So while they're there, all the tech gets the lights back on and that's when we start to see uh, well, actually, before right before that, we see the Zillow Beast. The the other group encounters the Zillow Beast, but I wasn't sure that's what it was at first. What about you, Harry? Was when we first see the Beast, what were you thinking? Yeah, I wasn't sure. Um, just because the last time we saw the Zillow Beast, he was humongous. Yeah, right. He was a mythological beast on that planet and gigantic. Mm-hmm. So when we see this, uh, at first I didn't put two and two together. It was definitely some very vicious dangerous creature right um, but I wasn't sure what it was because you just see it in the shadows it's hanging out up on the ceiling and it does that snatch and grab of the <laughs> uh, the clone trooper early on yeah um, before it crashes um, so you don't really see it but you know there's something dangerous hunting anybody on the ship yeah and there was no one alive on the ship there wasn't even any bodies right or armor discarded I, I don't armor think so no <laughs> So they found the, uh, like the shock hole. Yeah, yeah. And, and he that, that ended up, the, the beast ended up eating that too. So are we to believe that the beast ate everybody and their armor on the ship? 
guess. There's, there's no bodies. There. Unless there was only one trooper on the ship. <laughs> right? Yeah, you can't. I can't imagine that, right? There's got to be a bridge crew of at least two. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, uh, at least a squad of, of yeah. guards on yeah. the chamber where the, the beast was being kept and probably a couple engineers in, in the, the engineering section. But there's nobody, there's nobody. around the house. <laughs> so this <laughs> Zillow beast is pretty effective in uh, <laughs> feasting on its prey. <laughs> no scraps. <laughs> Not even, I was expecting to see like some helmets, some broken helmets or something, right? But there's nothing. There's not a thing. (laughs) But yeah, the lights come on and they start looking at, uh, there's in this chamber and like, oh, it's really cold in here. And uh, that was where the, the beast was being held. And they confront the beast again, they chase it down and they kind of converge on it in, I guess it's the engine room. Because when tech turned on the, the power, these, I don't even know what they are, the generators probably or something to that effect are firing. So the beast goes down there, starts feeding on the energy there. So that's when I'm like, okay, this, this looks familiar. Is this the Zilla beast, the baby beast, right? So... Uh, yeah, and even in the couple minutes that we see the Zillow Beast uh, eating or consuming the, the power there, the, the energy, it's growing right in front of the, the, the Bad Batch's eyes. They're like, oh, right. does this beast look like the same thing to you? So it's, uh, it's getting bigger. And it's, so these are clones of the Zillow Beast, right? Because the Zillow Beast was huge. They took it down. On Coruscant, they defeated it and took transported off world. But these guys are, you know, babies, right? They're just, they're small. So these are definitely maybe offspring, but I, th- I think they even say it later that in the episode that they're clones of the Zillow Beast. So if they have multiple clones, you know, well, what does that mean? <laughs> what, what are they going to use this, uh, these clones for? So... Cloning has shifted from it's all, it seems like it's always been a uh, military tactic to create assets for you know the army, right? Clone troopers and now Zilla beasts. Um, what do you think about that, Harry? Is there no other uses for cloning? Um, none that the Empire cares about, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Because, yeah. I mean, it, it, that goes back into some deep lore. Like, what else did the Kaminoans clone? Um, were they always cloning troops for, you know, whoever was the highest bidder? Or were they doing one-off clones for um, offspring for very rich individuals? Um, you know, it's the uh, the adoption agency of the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's a good question. Uh, were they cloning you know, um, endangered creatures for fighting pits or, um, yeah. I, I never considered them to have too many scruples. So I think they'll clone pretty much anything. Right. Um, but I do think that this Zillow beast was definitely cloned with military, uh, for military reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the clone wars, they talked about, you know, if we can clone this, we can build this impervious armor. Mm-hmm. And you grow these be- these beasts huge, and we kill them, and we skin them, and we can make armor out of them. Um, it's going to look a little barbaric, but hey, if it works, yeah. Um, I just had the thought that this would be a really effective um, a bomb, basically, 
you could drop it on a on a city and let the sucker go after their generators and mm-hmm. power down the defenses of the city as it feeds. Yeah. Um, even small, it's really hard to deal with, um, and it's going to get bigger by the second once it finds those generators and be more and more difficult to deal with. And the Empire can use that to uh, basically to to hold planets hostage. You don't pay your taxes. You don't provide your tithe or whatever. Um, yeah. And we're going to drop a zillow beast on your your main power generator. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that's it. What are you guys going to do? Your planetary defenses will power down, and and then you'll be at our mercy. So yeah. the zillow beast will just destroy everything and eat everybody. Leave and nothing it, behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could, that could be the weapon that they're using, but. Potentially, yeah. Uh, they also commented uh, tech to Omega that you know they was, as tech was downloading the data before they got off the ship that they were using the DNA from the armor or from the Zillabies to create armor. And I got the sense it was first. I thought it was clone trooper armor or stormtrooper armor, but we know that's not the case <laughs> because. Right. Stormtroopers always get hit one shot and they're down. One shot and they're dead. So that's not it. So is it trooper armor or is it like maybe the Death Star armor? But that wasn't the case. You know, and then later on we see the war council with Tarkin and um, Hemlock and Krennic. And I think it's the last episode or the second to last episode, right? Right. They're in that war room talking about stuff. They're different projects. So maybe... Uh, and it seems to be with Hemlock, that seems to be his project under his direction. So maybe he's, they're going to talk about it at some point in next season. Did you have any ideas on what this research, this cloning of the armor or what armor they could use it for? Uh, no, like I, I mean, other than it's something we haven't seen yet. And it's, you know, the phase five clone trooper armor that's, you know, (laughs) that they're, they're attempting to, to builds, but um, maybe at some point in the future there's an issue with the cloning, mm-hmm. and um, or the emperor loses interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I did see I don't know where it was on one of the, the forums something about Star Wars. Somebody mentioned that possibly um, the emperor used the electricity tech or you know the the DNA from the Zillow Beast. Um, in his own clones, and then later on, that's how he was able to electrocute an entire fleet of ships. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, so that that maybe you know he takes interest in it, and then diverts the research away from the armor and into this this power generation um, t- tech or DNA or whatever, and, and so it goes down that that path to power him up. Um, or power his clones up eventually. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I could, there's a, I can see the correlation there. Um, I think maybe it's like, like you said, there, it's a project that we haven't seen yet. And maybe that's what this show it turns into. I don't think we'll have enough time though um, for them to, cause they're, they haven't created anything yet. But I was going to say, so maybe we'll see that project, that weapon come into play later. Uh, this show currently is about, you know, just a couple years, if that's past episode three. Right. right. So it's in the early stages between episode three and four. 
but I, we didn't see anything in Rebels. So I, it would have to have come and gone before Rebels, or we're going to see it after Return of the Jedi, uh, This the results of this weapon. Or maybe it just never gets built. Maybe we see there's a big threat, but then nothing happens with it. So. Um, I, and it could be something that eventually the Rebels take down. They find out about it. It's um, similar to the TIE Defender plants. Oh, yeah, it's true. Um, where it becomes a focus for uh, some cell to, to to destroy a factory that's making something. And um, with all the many projects going on, you know, once that factory is down, then they got to focus on something else mm-hmm. because the, the rebellion is growing. Um, and, and the, well, past Jedi, the Empire's fading, right? Yeah. And they're very much in survival mode. Um, yeah. Up in, uh, until the sequels, but cloning is a, a big deal in the Mandalorian, right? We keep getting, they keep going back to that. Um, that right. well, they keep hinting at it, really. So maybe that story continues in the Mandalorian or some other series in that time time frame. But while you're talking about the Tide Defender project that we see in Rebels. It also brought to mind that weapon in Rebels that uh, was on Mandalore that would like send out electricity and it was it could go through the Beskar armor and fry the Mandalorians inside their armor, right? Right. Is it that? Because that's kind of a energy type weapon. Is it? Is well, that the where it's coming? Would work. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and it could even be a, you're right. Um, not the armor project, but right. the, the weapon side of the project. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a possibility because they never really explained where that weapon came from, how it was developed or by who. Well, Sabine, she was involved in the building of it, right? Right. But we don't know more than that. I don't think, I don't think she really right. talked about it. Um, didn't know where the start came from. I mean, she's yeah. not an engineer, so it had to yeah. start with with you know some some idea. Yeah, and she was young, so she came into it, and then you know ran with the previous work. I would I would think. So. Right, because I mean, even at the time of the rebels, she's still just a teenager. So you know, yeah, working on building it's very different from being a project leader. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of questions, a lot of possibilities. Uh, hopefully, we do see that. I would like to see that um, with the armor. You know, using the DNA of the Zillow Beast to create impervious armor or near destructible armor. <clears throat> I would like to see that come to fruition at some stage, whether it's in between episodes three and four, or maybe even between. You know, there there's a three year time gap between episode four and five, right? Maybe it's something that right. pops pops up there or. Later on, it's, uh, you know, in between episode six and seven, it's 30 years. So maybe the research falls into someone else's hands and they do something with it, you know. Or maybe post-sequel trilogy era. Um, I don't know. Because it is Emperor's Emperor Palpatine's uh, projects, ultimately. And, you know, he had to have done something, you know, have a library, a backup library that maybe someone else had access to. I think we see that in some of the the Battlefront games, right? Where he had this plan that if he were to die, um, his research would, con- his work would continue. I forgot what they called that project offhand. I can't remember, but we saw that in the Battlefront games. So, you know, I'd like to see it come to fruition regardless at some point. 
Well, because it's, it's Palpatine, right? I mean, Tantris is his main storehouse. Yeah. But you have to imagine that he's got other ones with yeah. backup copies of the research <laughs> and the technology yeah. just in case something happens there. And then, because um, he's fully intent on living forever. Yeah. Um, and would have uh, whatever tech he needs at each place to continue on with his plans. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, and they are pulling, you know, a, pulling a lot of possibilities. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and they are pulling a lot of stuff from the legends, Star Wars legends, the books that were previous to the Disney buyout and kind of revamping it to reimagining it for these stories. Um, and one of, did you read the, the first Zon or yeah, the first Timothy Zahn trilogy about Thrawn right after, you know, post return of the Jedi. Um, uh, yes. Okay. So, you know, in that series, he had a, a backup clone, right? And right. He cloned Luke Skywalker. So it was L. It was L U U K E. Right. Luke was the yeah. the cloned version of Luke. And so, you know, maybe we see something like that because he had this whole workshop area, this whole laboratory on this other planet. So maybe it's kind of, you know, similar to that, where he he's able to create a clone of himself and keep working on his projects. And this is one of them. So I don't know. Anyway, we're going down that rabbit hole. Uh, so where were we? The Zillow beast grows bigger and escapes the ship and goes to the power source of the, the village that they use for their power and starts feeding on that and keeps growing and growing. Hunter and Wrecker get in the Marauder and try to shoot it down, but it's it's too late. And at that point, the Empire shows up with some Star Destroyers and some gunships. I always find it odd to see the the Empire using gunships, Republic gunships, but it makes sense. You know, it's just a couple of years of that after the Clone Wars, so why not? Right. They have to have just tens of thousands yeah. of pieces of equipment. Uh, all through the Bad Batch, we keep seeing them flying, what is it, the V-Wing? Yeah. The Torrents? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yet to see TIE fighters in any numbers, there's all kinds of Republic era tech. Yep. They're still flying, uh, what is it? The, uh, the acclimator class mm-hmm. and the Venators. Yep. Um, we see those more still than, than star destroyers. Right. Like the, the victory class or the Imperial class. Um, so they're just going to use it up. Yeah, just repaint it. <laughs> right. Slap the Imperial cog on the side. Use it till it's done. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, why wouldn't they? But you know, it's it's that shift that we get in this show, right? We start to see the evolution from clone trooper armor to stormtrooper armor. You know, we it's similar enough to the clones, but still has this uh, stormtrooper influence from Episode Four that we're, they're going to move into, and you know, the gunships. You know, it's just, you start to see that slow evolution from the Republic that we saw in the prequels to the Empire we know in the in the original trilogy. And I like it. They're doing a good job with that transition. It's not like one day they're they're flying gunships, the next day they're flying TIE fighters, right? Right. It's, it's, it's a gradual change, which it should be, so I like it. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for the episode where we see, like, gunships um, flying alongside, like, assault boats. Uh. Like, you know, the first Kuat drive yard gunboats. 
Um, and then, you know, TIE fighter, you know, a pair of TIE fighters flying with a pair of torrents. Um, you know, uh, clone troopers in, in one and the, the new pilots in the other. Yeah. As the transition, yeah. like, like you say, as this transition is happening. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Truly washed away. Yeah, and we're seeing that with the clones, right? We see that in this season where clones are being de- decommissioned, and that's the focus of uh, some later episodes that we'll get into. Uh, you know, the clones are done basically, and they're right. They're being uh, repurposed <laughs> into what we still don't know, but yeah, they're they're on their way out, and they're not looked. They're just seen as property, old property that needs to be, you know. Put to put to rest. So, oh, and that's a big argument, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Are they property or are they people? Yep. Um, we've gotten. I, I, you know, have we seen the last of that, or is there going to be a definitive answer? Um, because there's some in the Senate pushing for the clone rights and to be able to retire them, and uh, and give them a stipend to live on, so they're not just thrown away literally. Yeah. And then, but then, the Empire itself, the the highest authorities. They just see them straight up as property, no, no more than a droid or a mm-hmm. gunship. Yep. Yeah, I definitely think we'll see that come. We'll see that fleshed out more next season for sure, because it starts to go down that path. We start to see what's what's going on, but not fully. It's just slightly revealed. Um, but I think we'll get more of that next season, which is good. I think that's a good storyline that they need to continue. So, uh, yeah, the Empire shows up. They're pretty efficient in their cleanup. They come in, the gunships chase off the marauder, the shuttles pick up all the, the witnesses, uh, the ships take down the the um, Zillow Beast, pick them up, transport them off world, and it's it's a matter of, I mean, the show is a couple minutes, but I would say it's probably half hour at best uh, in real time. It's, they're pretty efficient. Well, and we really see the ruthlessness of the Empire coming out, right? Mm-hmm. All these witnesses are picked up, and you know that the end isn't a good thing for them. Yeah. They're not going to go just have a discussion and then come back home. Yeah. Um, that village is, is empty forever now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and later in the episode, they said, yeah, they'll be take the witnesses will be taken care of. <laughs> right. Like, oh, okay. So they're dead. Um, but, um, or maybe they use the mind flare, right? We see that be used for the first time. Uh, that or, um, I mean, tying into uh, Mandalorian, they have uh, in that episode, there's the uh, electronic mind flayer, basically. Yeah, yep. yep. That, uh, you know, or are they going to turn them into a bunch of Lobots? <laughs> yeah. Um, Lobots, one of those villagers. Uh, the Lobot origin story. More property for the Empire. Um, and... Again, going into the ruthlessness and the change, the clones were all warriors, right? Mm-hmm. And they had an honor and a code of battle. Um, even in terrible situations, they always defended civilians, even at the, you know, like sacrificing themselves to protect the civilians mm-hmm. be- because they were honorable warriors. Um, I think this is where we're, we're getting into almost the thuggishness of the Empire, where you're um, recruiting these troops where some of them were ex-gangsters looking for, you know, um, now they move into the, being the next bully. They're a legitimized bully. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we see things like, um, uh, going back last season in Mandalorian, with uh, the scout trooper, you know, punching Grogu. 
you know, it's obviously an infant, but he's making noise, so he punches him. You know, this isn't an honorable warrior. Right. This is this is a punk. He's a thug. Yep. And and this is kind of a shift, right? Uh, the clone troopers definitely would have all been like, hey, these are just civilians. We just tell them, hey, don't talk about this. This, you know, doesn't matter what you saw. And and then we leave. But no, they rounded up this whole village, and it's going to be taken care of. Yep. Yeah, and in this episode, I had the question, you know, are these new Republic commandos? I think this is the first time we see them. There's the Republic commando video game that we saw way back when. But in the animation, I think this is the first time we really see them is in the Bad Batch. Um, And I was like, are those like soldiers, conscripted soldiers, or are they clones? And I think we get the answer later in this episode because one of them, and I checked the credits, the voice credits, and uh, it was D. Bradley Baker voicing Scorch. And Scorch is, you know, one of the clone, the Republic commanders okay. from the video game. But So I don't know if it's just like that guy is, is still a, a clone and the rest of them aren't, or most of them aren't, or are they all clones? Because that would be a major mind shift, right? If they are all clones, why are they so ruthless now? Right. Um, is that Order 67? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, the the citizens of the, the Republic are no longer to be viewed as, as worth protecting. Yeah. Um, how, how much um, personality shifts can this, um, this chip make? I mean, we saw them turn right on the Jedi in an instant, right? A- almost across the board without question. Mm-hmm. went from fighting next to them side by side over years to like, well, this guy's got to go. Um, so is this the, the next shift? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And is this a, is this a generational clone thing that in the initial clones, it wasn't there, but then they realized like, Hey, we need these guys to be a little more ruthless because we're having trouble with them. Like, Hey, they'd rather protect the civilians than just, them or you know kill any separatists um and they're too honorable let's uh let's up the anger and and ruthlessness in their training yeah i mean they got the new armor so it shows you know visually we're seeing we're seeing them as different than their regular clones so maybe they are a updated version so i hope they kind of well i don't mean like a whole episode about it but it'd be interesting to see if they kind of explain, hey, these these guys, these Republic Commando guys, are different in the in this way, you know, just can be some dialogue. But uh, it'd be interesting to see how that what their story is, their backstory, because I don't think they're just regular clones that have new armor. I don't think that's the case. No, there's a difference in attitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, the villagers are rounded up. Then uh, they. They transport the beast back to the base and they report back to Hemlock saying the beast is here. We'll take him down low, down below. And then um, Nala, no, Lama Su shows up and Lama Su and Hemlock have a conversation uh, where she, or not she, um, Lama Su bargains for her, for his freedom from uh, imprisonment. And he tells Hemlock, hey, you know, in order to get Lama Su to work with you, you got to find this clone, this uh, female clone that she has a, a big interest in. 
And he's like, oh, interesting. Looks like we got a lot to talk about. And then we see actually later on in the season that happens, right? Hemlock right. tracks down Omega and brings her in back to that base, that specific base. And that's pretty much the end of the season. But so that um, Lama Su does get the boy. Uh, I wonder if he ends up getting released or just killed. I imagine he's just killed. I don't he's see them. Get killed. I don't see uh, them releasing him, freeing him. No, he knows too much, yeah. and um, he's either going to go back into house arrest on Coruscant um, as just kind of a, a living intel source, yeah. or he's just going to get killed. And uh, Hemlock's pretty—he's pretty ruthless himself. He's not a good person. No. Um, and he keeps rubbing his hand with the black glove. I'm wondering, you know, that he keeps doing it. So there's got to be, that's like, it's setting his story up. We're going to find out why he does, and that's going to tie into his character. I, I was just going to ask if, if you knew him from anything previous, if he have ever shown up in any legends or other canon, older yeah. sources. Not that I can recall. Um, I thought he was someone else there for a minute. He's got that Sam Whitmer voice. I, like I swear it was Sam Witwer at first, um, and it was, but it's not. He's a, he's a new character as far as I know. I mean, we okay. can do a quick search, but I don't think he is. He's uh, he's all that's wrong with the Empire. I mean, this <laughs> yeah. guy's he's dark, he's ruthless, um, he doesn't care at all for the clones. They are absolutely property to him. Yeah, um, he's not uh, above blackmailing. Uh, a torture. Um, there's just, he's not a nice person. Yeah. And, and he's, uh, you know, in charge of, of super secret Imperial projects that uh, don't look like they have, they don't bode well for, for the rebellion, for the bad batch, for any enemy of the empire. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like this is his first introduction to Star Wars, is this season of, of Bad Batch. Okay. So, but yeah, he's he's definitely Imperial to the core. Um, and it sounds like he was working off-world in the the cloning operations of the, the Zillow Beast. That's the impression I get. He was there. Wherever the off-world location is, that's where he was working until he shows up here in this season. Right, because he uh, makes a grand entrance at one point mm-hmm. to Mount Tantris. Like, he was not there, but they all knew he was coming and he was important. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be interesting to learn more about him for sure and see where his story goes. Um, I think that's that's the gist of it. Uh, the, the Bad Batch is able to escape um, the Empire and, and head off into hyperspace, I think. Oh, they do talk about how they were going to transmit the data because Echo was able to download some of the data. I don't know how much, but not all of it uh, before the ship was bombed by the Empire and they were able to escape. But uh, he's sending the data to Captain Rex and Echo so they can look at it. And they kept saying this this goes way deeper than what what we thought. This is way bigger than what we we thought it was going to be. So it looks like they don't know where they're taking the Zillow Beast. So they still don't know the the location of this, you know, cloning facility or where Crosshair ends up, where the Zillow Beast ends up, where Omega ends up. They don't know where that is yet, even though they have all that information. 
Anything else from that? I think they just realize there's a bigger threat out there, but we don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, they they know that the empire is a problem, and yeah. um, I think it's it's just coming. They're they're starting to realize how dangerous the galaxy has become, not just for them yeah. as you know fugitives, but for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's actually kind of scary, like how far the empire has fallen from. I mean, it's just it's a matter of of months, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know what. And and the Empire has found the worst of the worst to head up their science programs, and we've got troops that are willing to follow any order and exterminate villages just because. And uh, like, wow, they went dark fast. Yeah, yeah. You put the the right person in power, picks the right people to not the right people, but his people to um, you know lead these different departments, and everything. The whole government changes real quick. And I, I mean, I guess that goes back to the planning of Palpatine all this time. Mm-hmm. For decades, he's been like watching the careers with interest, yeah, and and cultivating this, um, I don't know, a, a cult of personality, basically. Um, a, a bunch of people he trusts across the Imperial Army and Imperial Navy. Well, the the Republic Army and Navy, and then you know they've just transitioned immediately. Um, Tarkin's been his buddy for a long time, and. Tarkin was kind of a jerk mm-hmm. uh, as a Republic officer, yep. um, but kept getting promoted, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this is just more of the Palpatine pulling strings everywhere, all at once, and orchestrating this change from a fairly enlightened Republic to a very oppressive Empire. Yeah. Yep. So it is it is interesting to watch. See how this devolves into the empire. So um as far as this episode as a whole goes, I hope we this delves into one of the major backstories, plot lines of this series and I hope we see we saw more of it later on, but I hope we see a lot of it in season 3. I as far as I can tell, the show's kind of starting out like Clone Wars did where they had all these different battles and campaigns. And then after like halfway through season two, I think, or during season two, it kind of found its footing and continued all these different stories that were interesting. And I think this is the point in Bad Batch where that starts to happen, where, you know, these stories that we've been have questioning about, like the Zilla Beast, the cloning facilities, you know, what's Omega's role in all this? We start to see it happen, like start to go down that journey here in this episode. And I hope we see more of it next season. And this is the kind of episode I want. I don't want episodes like Faster or Finding Minds on a Planet that they don't end up using anyway or tracking down Rancors for Jabba the Hutt. You know, those are fine. But this this is the type of episode I want to see from the Bad Batch more of from here on out and it's one of my favorite episodes of the season i give it an eight out of ten what do you think harry final thoughts on oh for sure on this episode yeah this is anytime like the the deeper story the the story of the whole saga gets pushed forward yeah i'm interested in it um it's ties to things in the past and ties and things in the future and it gives you a whole bunch of possibilities just 
it excites me yeah. about like what what the next episode can bring and what next season can bring and and even what spinoffs maybe yeah. um, uh, you know introduce or continue really cool stories and um, things that have lasting effect versus like you know faster and the mine episode they were one-offs really they were insignificant rights mm -hmm. they were fun as single episodes but they didn't really do anything to tell a story right um, it's like watching the a-team you know? <laughs> yeah um, it's unimportant because it's the same thing could happen next week yeah <laughs> um, where this you know the clones and omega and dr hemlock and the whole facility and and then you know finding a way to motivate nala say yeah now, now he knows what he has to do to get her to give him the information he needs. And this is interesting. Yeah. Like, where are we going from here? Yeah, definitely. Yep. <clears throat> so, overall, great episode. And uh, so, moving forward, we will pick up episode 12 next time. Um, what's that one called? <laughs> the Outpost. The Outpost, yes. That was interesting too. There's some good things to that uh, with Crosshair and uh, how how the stormtroopers. Yeah, talks about stormtroopers. We won't go more more than that, but uh, some good character development for Crosshair. You know, it was it was good to see. So we're looking forward to talking more about that episode as well as future episodes of the Bad Batch. We'll finish out season two here pretty quick. The next couple of weeks. But we want to thank you guys for joining us here on the Credible Nerds, Pod, Credible Nerds Podcast as we talk about Star Wars and the Bad Batch. So definitely subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. It doesn't cost you anything, and it helps us out a lot. So we'd appreciate that. Uh, definitely like and comment on the videos, too. That helps us, too. So check out our website, CredibleNerds.com, for more Star Wars episodes, Star Wars content, and other franchises. But uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us, and may the Force be with you. May the force be with you.